0: All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making anyone healthier in this world. Super enthused, super excited today to have Kalina Markley on the show. Actually, Kalina Quibble now. Uh, She recently Mm -hmm. got married, and so... um, I've been wanting to have her on the show for a while. If you're here in the Bay Area, you dude, you focus on well-being and engagement and benefits and this whole world for making your employees healthier. You definitely know about Kalina and the, the work that she's doing. But anyway, I don't want to steal her thunder. She focuses on well-being solutions, health solutions, and a lot of really interesting projects. And she does it through Sequoia Benefits right now. But I don't want to steal her thunder. Kalina, welcome to the show, and thank you for peeling off some time to be here.
1: Perfect. Yeah, thank you.
0: Well, I, I love origin stories. I love origin stories. I, I would love for you to tell tell me a little bit about how you got started. You know, what are the series of events you went through to make you the person that you are today? So, just love to love to hear those steps how you got here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an interesting path that I would not have predicted for myself 10 years ago. But um, I moved down to San Francisco uh, just about 10 years ago from Seattle. Um, Originally had started out in agency recruiting, actually. So I was helping folks find jobs. Um, basically determining their interests, looking at what they wanted to get out of a career, what benefits they needed, all of that, and then connecting them with open jobs that we had at our company. Um, and I did that for almost a year um, until I had what I kind of refer to as my you know, millennial moment where <laughs> I realized my job wasn't making enough of a difference and I wanted to change the world. And um, and so that led me actually to go back to school. Um, I had done my undergrad um, at the University of Washington in psychology and thought that I really wanted to go back um, into that world and so um, went back and um, enrolled in a master's program for psychology focused on actually marriage and family therapy. So I thought I was going to go the therapy route. Um, And what's interesting is about, you know, six months into doing that, I was working at a um, women's clinic in the mission of San Francisco. Um, Really enjoyed it, but obviously very, very heavy work. Um, And there is, you know, I think a couple types of people in this world and some are able to be amazing therapists and, you know, leave it at work and some people take it home (laughs) with them. And I was definitely in the latter category. It was really hard for me to distance what I was going through with my patients um, into, you know, taking that home and feeling really heavy and sad about it. Um, And what I found even more so is I started, you know, asking around to friends and family about, you know, their thoughts on therapy in general. It's obviously a a big stigma related to the topic even more so uh, then than today. Um, but a lot of what I was hearing is, you know, people weren't going to therapy because they either like didn't want to, they didn't see the need for it. They couldn't find therapy That was at a cost that helped, that worked with their budget. They didn't even know where to start to find a therapist. They didn't get the insurance part of it. Um, And so then it kind of led me to ask them, you know, where do you go then when you need help or you (laughs) find yourself stressed out or need a resource? And a lot of people, you know, reflected that they went to their employer. They went to HR. They went to their manager. It was kind of where they spent the most of their time. And so they, they really, you know, looked toward the company to see if there was anything they could provide them or knew of that would be covered under their insurance that could help them get through this situation. Um, in the meantime, I was, I was still in school. And so I, I realized that I didn't want to necessarily go the traditional therapy route and rather um, looked into organizational psychology and ended up transferring my focus to that side of things. And it was really really helpful and impactful because organizational psychology for anyone that isn't as familiar with it is basically all the same philosophies um, and concepts of psychology as as people know it, but focused on the workplace. So you're looking at how do you engage employees, how what are leadership styles, personality tests like Myers-Briggs and things. That's all kind of in the org psych world, trying to understand how personality has an impact on someone's performance, who they are, um, as well as benefits and just what attracts people and what makes the best place to work. Um, and as I started to do these case studies on companies like Google and Zappos and, you know, Southwest, some of the more famous um, companies at the time who were really known as that best place to work, a lot of what I found is at the core of that, it was really how do we do a good job taking care of our people, recognizing them as people in and outside the workplace, all of that. Um And so, yeah, it, you know, it led me to do a few different contract roles up until I finished my graduate degree focused on, you know, benefits, HR, employee engagement, leadership um, positions, um, advising on leadership styles and so on. Um, Really to that point where I realized it it all comes down to kind of, you know, what really makes a successful company is to be invested in the total well-being of employees. So I joined Sequoia shortly thereafter graduating, um, which was about four and a half, almost five years ago, um, to lead their well-being efforts because Sequoia um, Consulting Group is a benefits brokerage firm that really challenges the healthcare system <laughs> um, and looks at, you know, where they view healthcare to be broken and how access can be made easier. Um, and my particular department that I lead on the well-being side focuses on the side of benefits that 10 years ago might have not been considered benefits, but is now pretty standard in, you know, how are you helping support your employees outside of their traditional medical, dental, vision, all of that, um, and really look towards supporting what we consider four areas of well-being, which is your physical, emotional, financial health, um, as well as supporting you as a family, whether that's you have children want to have children, have a dog, or taking care of an elderly parent is right. all relevant. Um, and so really kind of looking at the whole person so that when you say, you know, I want you to come work for us as a company, we have great benefits. Um, what that means is you have great health care benefits. And you also have great well-being support. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my story and, and how I got to be in this position.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, great background. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you went through the series of steps that you went through uh, to get to where you're at. Uh, Kalina, can you tell me a little bit about what you're passionate about in terms of well-being and how it's applied to groups? So, you know, just love to hear about what you're seeing out there in these workplaces. What, what's the difference that makes a difference? What are you excited about? What are you fascinated about in, in terms of you know some of the things being applied in, in this space right now?
1: Yeah, so I think first of all, I'm really excited that a lot of employers are taking this holistic view when it comes to how to support employees. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that's very clear um, when you really dig into the type of employees you have is, you know, from an outside perspective, you might be working for a startup and say, yeah, you know, most of our employees are between the ages of 26 and 31, and they're young and active, and that's our employees. But when you peel back the layers a little bit and actually look at the needs of those people, it's so much more varied than being able to bucket them in just an age demographic or being relatively healthy. You start to realize that people have these really personal needs um, that go into anything from you know having a physical health concern to just wanting to be more educated about their physical health. Um, you have the emotional support side. So so many people that are going from any level of stress from just minor acute stress that happens to all of us upwards of actually having you know, severe anxiety or depression or struggling with a mental health um, condition. Um, and then, of course, things like you know, financial health, understanding that just the salary that you give someone doesn't give the whole picture of their financial background. They could be paying off some severe student loan debt or maybe a medical thing that happened in the past, helping out a family member. Um, and then on the family support side, of course, looking at, you know, you can't just assume because you have a young demographic of employees that they don't have children and that means they don't have family concerns. Um, like I related to there's you know, taking care of a parent or taking care of a sister or, you know, having a relative that is very much in, in their life. And so anyways, I'm, I'm really excited that a lot of employers are, are starting to get that. I think at first it was kind of a, oh, that's not an issue for us here or, you know, we don't really see the need for these varied resources. Let's just focus on, you know, what's going to get the most bang for our buck. Like everyone likes gym <laughs> reimbursements. Mm-hmm. Let's just give everyone a gym membership. Um, and and that's right. And people are excited about those things, excited about on-site massage. And, and you know, you'll, you'll see those. But I think a lot of employers are starting to understand that the real value and where they actually are going to be known for being that best place to work is by doing the meaningful things. And that's, you know, helping someone Care for someone, helping someone through like a fertility issue, really impacting someone's mental health. Like those are the things that are the the stories that you know are echoed, um, and make you known for being the company that you want to be. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited that employers are are getting that, and they're doing, you know, they're coming to us less of the questions of what what's everyone else out there doing, and more here's the scenario, what should we do about this specific thing? Because this is an issue in our own culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really digging into what their specific employees and culture need, as opposed to just adding things to add them.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you and I know that, you know, chief human resource officers, CFOs, CEOs of companies, they're really adamant now about employee experience for a variety of reasons, right? Employee Engagement, recruiting, retention, productivity, and and just it's the right thing, benefits, cost, claims reduction. But obviously, you still probably face challenges out there of leaders for organizations saying, you know, show me the ROI. What's the return on investment? What can I expect if I do X, Y, and Z in well-being or wellness and implement this? um what's what's the latest narrative around that how do you overcome that or i guess lead them to where they want to go because they want to invest in the, their employees health but they also need to make a business case and a roi for their peers at the executive layer just curious how how you're seeing that come to fruition these days
1: yeah, the ROI question is the million uh, dollar <laughs> question. We we always do get that. Um, I think something really interesting with the ROI debate and you know what what will be my return if I roll out these particular programs is a very valid question. It's not as simple to measure as a lot of the other things um, that are out there. Um, but I think a lot of times what I really um kind of push leadership towards if, if someone's trying to make a decision is all the things that lead up to them actually considering that benefit Mm -hmm. are almost more important than thinking all the way to outcome. And so to Mm -hmm. walk you through that, an example might be, you know, rolling out um, a mental health program. They Mm -hmm. might say, you know, how much can we expect to save on this? Like what would be the outcome? If we pay for all of this through the year, what if employees don't use it? And they kind of think all the way to the outcome part Mm -hmm. when really a lot of the focus during that, like, um, exploration process needs to be on like, why are we doing this and actually showing the numbers around that right. um, too. Oftentimes people will say, Oh, you know, we have to calculate all this stuff and we can't really prove that more than 20% of the population will use it. So let's just not do it. Whereas if a lot more time is spent actually understanding why you're trying to roll it out in the first place, it adds a lot of value. So with the mental health example, trying to show here's our current situation and almost the, the ROI of this is this is what we're trying to solve for. So you're looking at from a mental health perspective, hey, you know, if you've access to claims data, for example, as an employer, you can see how many of your employees are on medication, how many employees are having to go to in and out of network care with majority in out of network to see a therapist. You can see how many people have had a mental health related claim come through. Um, And then you can also look at things like survey data to understand stress levels are high or even ask managers and to me that story about the problem that needs to be solved is actually the better selling point than like the ROI itself. Mm, you're kind mm. of looking at, you know, what is, what is the scenario and what are we trying to solve and what would happen more so if we don't do something like this, right. um, which from looking at that data, you're going to continue to have people on sleeping medication. You're going to continue to have people on things like Adderall to try to stay awake and stay focused. You're going to have people not happy with your... Um, benefits because they don't provide the right in-network therapy. And then from there, you can start to kind of work with the vendor to almost define what you want to see change. So we want to see less people on prescriptions. We would love to see, you know, more people being able to go and network. And then on just the employee feedback side, we'd really like some positive feedback that we rolled out something for mental health that really changed and impacted their life. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at it that way, and you kind of define what you want the ROI itself to be, the vendors and and the folks out there, the point solutions will really show you how their product does that. So if, if that's what you wanted to do, they could say, great, well, you know, we can actually help show that, you know, less people are on medication. We would love to show you quotes anonymously from users that use our service. And and that to me is such a better and more understandable um, way to look at it from a leader because you're like, Oh, I, I, I see that. And I get that as opposed to going off ROI. Like we want to see more than 30% of people engaged (laughs) because that doesn't build the whole story. So, so yeah, I think, um, the long-winded answer to that is just you know roi is still very valid but i always try to encourage the employers that we work with to actually define the current situation and what is at stake and and what's going wrong and then essentially create their goals and those goals are the roi like what do we want Mm -hmm. to change and and look at it that way
0: and no this is really great and it's it seems like it's come full circle right you know focus on on psychology And, you know, you really are focusing on the organization psychology, aligning things, helping them assess. It's almost like, you know, you're leveraging well-being to align the chakras of an organization, which is pretty, (laughs) pretty phenomenal. Um, You know, and to look at it holistically like that, I think, is a really interesting way. uh, And using all these data points in different programs to fix, you know, the core of what's what's there. Um, on the inverse of that, what's from an employee standpoint or your ideal like well-being set of programs, do you have a story, an example of, of things that are resonating from an employee's perspective, like kind of like, you know, I'm an employee, I work at Google and I'm going to do this and I can access this and access that. Any, any day in a life story you have of, of an ideal like well-being your set of well-being programs that are in action or, or that you, you, you see really resonate from an employee's perspective?
1: Yeah, I, I mean that's a great question I think that it it's a little tricky because like um benefits you know are are different to so different, every person yeah, so I think yeah. I think really what um what I see as being like a really impactful program is just being well-rounded um mm-hmm. so just thinking about all the different things that employees are going through and trying to have at minimum just some sort of resource there. So as an example, I have an employer who, you know, was trying to decide between offering, um, you know, babysitting credits, a mental health offering, um, financial wellness tools, and you know, nutrition support. Those are all four completely different things. So to stack rank them would be really hard because for me, nutrition is more important for you. Parenting more important. You know, it's, it really depends. Um, And so I think employers looking at it from two standpoints, so one really creative way I've seen employers go about it that's been super successful is just making sure there's some sort of resource there for everything. So you might not be able to roll out an adoption policy that gives people $10,000, but what you can do is connect them with an adoption agency who gives them a free consultation or something like that. And so that's you thinking about putting something small and minimal in place for everything
0: and I mm-hmm. think when
1: a company thinks about it that way and it's like we don't have money for maybe a financial consultant to come on site every month, but we'd love to point people toward this app that's been super popular with all of our employees and just you know promote that it's a great way to save and if you sign up, you get a quick you know discount or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one route. It's just having something small and minimal. and I've seen a couple employers do that really, really well where they're just they do a survey, they gather all the topics that people want and on their internet they make sure that each of those topics is listed out with a bullet and a hyperlink. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the hyperlink's an awesome full page service. Sometimes mm-hmm. the hyperlinks just to a resource that could be helpful. And and I think that's being thoughtful of your whole population. Um, the other thing I'd say is becoming more and more popular in um you've probably seen this too, but is this concept of this universal dollar, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, that essentially is taking the, you know, gym gym reimbursement or, or wellness stipend that a lot of employers put in place, giving people, you know, fifty, a hundred dollars a month to go to the gym and really saying, you know, we'd like to empower you with this universal dollar that you can use toward whatever is meaningful for you and that power of choice I think is really impactful for a lot of people because then they can go and use that for the babysitting they need or to see a therapist for the first time or use it for chiropractic because they've got a really bad back pain Um, so it's I think a lot of that trend and we've seen a lot of employers move toward that is kind of looking at what is a way that I can give my employees this dollar and not just have it be a hundred dollars on their paycheck, but rather encourage them to use it for something they haven't tried before or something that's really meaningful toward their total health, whatever that might mean to them?
0: I love it. I love it, Kalina. Yeah, no, thank you for that illustration. I think that helps out a ton, and uh, you know, really clarifies and demystifies kind of like both sides of what well-being means uh, in today's modern world uh kalina i have one more question for you and but before i ask it uh what would be a great way for for our listeners to engage with you social media wise if if you would like that to occur
1: (laughs) yeah um so you can connect with me on linkedin i do a lot of my work actually on linkedin so i post a lot of articles i write my own articles Um, And I have all my social media accounts on there, like my Twitter and Instagram and things like that. Um, It's at the um, handle perks for works. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I focus on a lot of those. So yeah, feel free to, follow me or add me. Um, I'm always happy to engage in messaging and, and answer any questions that you have. But um, yeah, I, I love speaking with people who are passionate about this and even just wondering different ways that they can go about their own um, care, whether it's for themselves, advocating for services um, at their company because they're an employee or on the reverse side in some sort of HR leadership position trying to navigate this crazy world of
0: well-being. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes for sure. Um, so, so appreciate that. My last question is more about the future. Can you tell me a little bit about what your vision of the future of well-being, wellness, health, what does that look like according to the way that you see things coming to fruition?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the future of well-being is related to the employers are really going to have a huge responsibility to be in charge of decisions that are made about what resources employees have access to Um, is we know increasingly more and more employees spend a huge amount of their time at the workplace doing work, engaging in work, being with coworkers, going to their employers for advice on different services. And so I think really um, the future holds that employers are going to be very involved in what healthcare looks like. Um, You're already seeing a lot of those things happen with Um, you know, companies like Amazon, for example, or Apple really just carving out their own healthcare support model and thinking about things like access to physical health services, mental health services, offering onsite childcare, things like that, um, and really creating this kind of well-being support system for all that work for them. Um, and so, I mean, I'm really excited that that's happening. I'm excited that employers are finally, you know, getting to the point where they realize this is their responsibility and they, they do need to think about and be mindful. Of how they support the employees that come to work for them every day and make their business a success. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how employers continue to change and challenge the healthcare system, whether it's taking it in house or just advocating for better coverage or looking at different policies in a unique way. Um, a great example of that is, you know, with um, parental leave, for example, is. It's something that we, as many know, are the only country in the world that doesn't offer paid um, maternity leave or (laughs) require it, which is crazy. And so it's fallen on the employers to develop a policy in which they cover and pay for it. And so I think we're going to continue to see a lot of that evolution where if something isn't regulated or offered by the government, or it's not maybe even a societal requirement or things like that, employers are kind of stepping up to understand how they can cover that or how they can provide that access. And I think it's going to be a, a growing theme, which I'm excited that employers are, are willing to do that and becoming advocates themselves for challenging other companies to follow in their footsteps and do the
0: same. I love it. I love it. No, that's a beautiful future. I, I uh, really appreciate that, the illustration. A um, couple of things to add. I, well, I guess just to recap, Uh, We really appreciate you uh, being on the show, peeling off time, carving out time for from a from a busy week. But most importantly, I really appreciate you sharing your story what you're passionate about and obviously the future of, of well-being and how you see it coming to fruition. And obviously, as you work on more projects, Kalina, love for you to, you know, come back, share what you're seeing, share new trends. You know, there's not too many people I know out there on the employer side, especially that really keep a pulse on what's going on. But more importantly, what's important, what's important to employees and to employers. Um Kalina, thank you again for being on the show Um, to our listeners out there. Yeah, uh, no, really, really appreciate it. And to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Hell Show. This (laughs) this show is for people that are passionate about health. Uh, Kalina, again, thank you so much. This was great.
1: Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I definitely encourage anyone listening to reach out. I would love to talk with you. So appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Much appreciated, Kalina. Thanks. Thanks again.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you.